0: Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR and talent acquisition, because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders. Because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Today, I am thrilled to welcome Glenn Elliott to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited. When I thought, who do I want as my very, very first podcast guest, I knew instantly it had to be you, Glenn, and why will become very clear to listeners during the course of this episode. But first, huge love and thanks to our sponsor, WorkDrive, also new to the scene with an internal mobility tool like no other that you must go check out. So, Glenn Elliott, of course, I know you from your time as CEO of Reward Gateway. But what have you been up to recently? Because I know you've moved.
1: Hello. Uh yeah. So yeah, I, I was um I was CEO of Reward Gateway for I think 12 or 13 years, um, until about 2018. And then I took a bit of time off. I found a wonderful guy, Doug Butler, to um take over my role. And then I took a couple of years off had a mini breakdown, some time off, you know, the usual thing that you do when you finish being CEO. Uh, And I'm now. Exhaustion. Exactly. Total burnout and exhaustion. Uh, It took me about a year and a half to calm down enough to notice it. And then I'm now, um, for the last year I've been working full time, which is four days a week for me. That's my full time. Yeah. Um, Full time for a, um, a private equity firm called Tenzing Private Equity, where I've got really fancy title of entrepreneur in residence. Um, so I'm the only non-investor in the investment company, and my job <laughs> is, my job is not to not to be an investor, not to look for what to invest in, not to look for what to buy. My job yeah. is just to help those management teams
0: to grow their businesses, uh, and Which that's what I do. Is cool. And actually, I, look, I wasn't going to talk about this, but now you mention it, I love the fact you. have gone through well no I don't love the fact you went through it but you went through <laughs> the burnout and you realized and you've gone I'm going to do four days a week yeah I've gone I'm going to start my day at 10 a.m which sort of shocks people and I'm like, I'm not available for 10 a.m yeah. like I am kind of on messenger but and actually I think that's probably quite important for the people that you're also advising because they're all entrepreneurs and they do tend to burn themselves out
1: so it's funny actually they they, they do and it's you know um, I've been doing a lot of work just um, recently thinking about this. Like the first thing I recommend all entrepreneurs and management teams do, the first thing they should do after we've invested is go on what I call the post-deal holiday. They need a break because they've just yeah. been a really exhausting three, four, five, six months sometimes process to find the right private equity partner, and it's really exhausting and they're knackered. And sometimes they're so you're, so, you're so wrapped into it, you don't even have the chance to notice that you're knackered. But it's the worst time to make important decisions, like, you know, what's our three, four, five-year plan? So I want everyone just to, like, calm down, take a break. Uh, have and it it's,
0: it, you have that guilt that goes with it. Yeah. I mean, do. it took me six years to have a holiday. And And when I did, oh, my God, did I have a holiday. But the guilt of not working was insane.
1: Yeah, it it, uh, (laughs) It it's funny, actually, when when, um, when Doug and I started working together, so Doug became CEO, but he did the first year and a half with me as CFO and COO. And um, I used to love it. It sounds ridiculous. If I saw in his diary, he had a day off for golf. He was a golfer. Mm-hmm. I want that because for some reason, just seeing it, it made it g- made me give give me the permission to relax for a moment, thinking it's yeah. okay to have a day off. And I think we need that. And I mean, I'm very fortunate. You know, I've had a successful business career, and I can now, you know, I guess to choo- choose what I want to do. And yeah, you know, four days a week, I don't have work email on my phone uh, or Slack on my wow. phone because it feels like no point. Especially given that we can't go out in the pandemic, like you know, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> and I do not look at my. You know, I, I, all my colleagues know if you need me on a on a Wednesday, which is my day off, or the weekend, you've got a phone and make a fuss the right because I often I'm often nowhere near my phone. I'm trying not to be near it. So,
0: see, that's old school, isn't it? Pick up the telephone. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> if you send me a Slack message or an email, there's no way I'll see it.
0: I will confess, I did hunt you down for this. Yeah. I was nearly going to an Instagram message. I was nearly there. So I'd gone LinkedIn, then I'd gone ah. to Charlie, then I'd gone to email, then I'd gone to another email. It was like I'm going to have you as my first well, guest. I'm not going to run there. this podcast until you're my first
1: guest. That's how I felt. <laughs> I'm notoriously poor email. And everyone's very polite and they always say, okay, I know you're busy. The truth is I'm not that busy. I'm just really disorganized. <laughs> <bit> and, <laughs> and I tend to, you know, I look at my inbox, like I looked at it this morning and I cherry pick the two or three things off the top of it that I can deal with quickly. And then everything that's off the screen is just don't notice. Um, I
0: um, created a uh, emails of 2020 subfolder and literally dragged all the emails that <laughs> still <laughs> Ridiculously in my inbox into that subfolder. Yes. And then just started 2021 with it. <laughs> I've had to check back at a few, but most of them are still sitting there. Dreadful, dreadful. Yeah. Now, I've got a question for you, bringing it back to recruitment. Mind you, I still think this burnout thing is very important for mm. people in the hot seat. Um, You are the only CEO I know who bought my book and actually read it. In fact, you. Read it twice. Yeah. And you also purchased copies for the entire talent acquisition team when you were still at Reward Gateway. Yeah. Um, what exactly prompted that other than your obviously adoration for me? But um, <laughs> <laughs> what prompted you to do that? I've not heard of a CEO doing that. Oh, that's funny. I didn't realize I was the only one. I mean, I can... yeah, well, obviously <laughs> nobody else has told me. Maybe there are tons of them, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you're unique. Well, because, um, because,
1: people is the only thing that matters in business, um, and recruitment and, and especially recruitment process or how we treat people, both the, both the people that we hire and the people that we don't hire is really, really important. Um, so that's why, um, so I bought your book because yeah, cause I know who you are and I knew there'd be some great <laughs> stuff on it. And then whilst I know a lot of the things you talk about, I knew that I would learn more and, mm. and, and I wanted the whole recruitment team to really think about these things. Um, yeah you know it's it's interesting i ran a recruitment process um attending back in september uh and i mean i i followed many of the very common sense principles that are in your book you know um yeah. And I broke some of the rules as well. Actually, that, I love uh, it. that are in normal recruitment. <laughs> so, for example, it was the first I was I was hiring a hiring a a role which I'd never hired before, and I didn't know how I didn't know how many interviews I was going to do. I didn't know how long the process would be. Yeah, and I know that you know the textbook stuff is you should say to candidates you know it'll be two steps and you'll end on this date and it'll be and I just didn't know, so I fell back on just um, communicating really regularly and being really honest with people. Um, yeah. And I had like 90. How refreshing. I had like, I think I had 85, <laughs> 85 applicants for that role to me ages to do CV SIFT because I kind of. I, kind of, I, I ballsed it up. I just said, send me a CV. And then once I got all the CVs in different formats with different things, I
0: realised <laughs> I could have asked them more sensible questions. Uh, so it took me ages to do CVs. Well, plus they were in that inbox that you don't like looking at. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and, and I kind of you
1: know, I, I kind of got through all the CVs. I read them all really carefully. And then I decided I should have had a scoring framework So I had to go back and do them all again. So the first CV sift took me about three or four weeks. And I just, I just kept email. I just thought, you know, if yeah. I was a candidate, what would happen you know, you, you probably get to the end of the week, and on Friday, you're thinking, God, what's happening with that job?" So I just, I just emailed her exactly. on Friday. Just said what I would, just said, and just said things like, "I'm really sorry it's taken longer than I thought. It's the first time I've recruited this role, and I didn't realise how long it would take." And
0: see, I find that incredible. Here you are, because I've got a question about how you hide your team coming up. Yeah. But- you have hired, you are experienced, but there you were being really vulnerable and going, Do you know what? I'm not quite 100% sure what I'm doing. Yeah. And you were sitting in that vulnerability and going, That's okay. It's, like, I, it's, it's, and I think I, I wish yeah. more hiring leaders were doing that. You know, some, some of my hope with this podcast is that they listen to this and they feel inspired to go, I'm human. I don't necessarily know. Let me call yeah. in help. Let me ask, you know, that's <laughs> amazing. I love that.
1: I mean, I kind of think, you know, it was, firstly, it was very true. I mean, I was in a brand new, brand new role in an industry that I've never worked in before, hiring a role that never existed before, you know, with a recruitment process that i would never done before. So frankly, dressing, wow. dressing it up as anything other than that <laughs> would have been, um, <laughs> just require more more acting skills than I have. Uh, and, but it was amazing how, um, so the process dragged on for ages. I mean, it, it was, it was very bad textbook stuff and it took about, <laughs> about 10 weeks or something or eight weeks to, to recruit. But I was looking for one person that ended up with, um, ended up hiring three. The candidates were so great. And I had so many emails from people saying, thanks, don't worry how long it's taking. It's so nice to be informed, so nice to hear from you. I mean, and it, yeah. it made me realize the bar must be very, very low. Very um, low. That, that, you know, people apply for jobs and just never hear anything back. And I gave personal feedback to like my, I think for the last 15, I wrote them all, you know, for the 15 that didn't get into the last round, I wrote them a personal email. And for the for the the top five that we didn't hire, um, I offer them a, a thirty minute um, feedback call because it doesn't take that long. Really. I'm, That's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm not that busy that I can't do that. And you never know who you're going to meet in the future. You know, going to like exactly. bump into in the future. In so, the need, you know
0: on the on the thirty minute feedback, you know, I know one of the biggest problems I hear from recruiters and HR about hiring leaders is that they struggle giving feedback, yet here you were prepared to give 30 minutes. Were you not concerned about, oh, they might sue me because I've discriminated or they always come up with lame excuses for not giving feedback. No. Why I- did you feel so okay to do that? It's funny, someone else asked me that. I think there's, a, there's an old, um, there's a medical
1: stat actually. People don't sue doctors who've got a nice bedside manner. So if you're nice to people, <laughs> yes. don't get sued, you know? People only sue people that, that piss them off. And if you're open and honest with people, I mean, there was one candidate who did not get through to the final round. And, you know, it was so tough. His was the hardest feedback call because he was amazing. It was just that there was one other candidate who I did end up hiring. He was almost identical to him. He just had an extra year's experience in his previous two jobs and therefore had a couple of extra stories as evidence about what he'd yeah. done. But if I hadn't met the candidate that I hired, I would have had, I would have hired the one that I didn't get through. So when I gave him his feedback, I'm like, there's nothing I can tell you to do better because, you know, you were you would have in a different in a different month, you would have been good enough, you'd have been fantastic, yeah. and you'd have been successful at the role. But he really.
0: And you may well pick that. him up later.
1: Well, the thing is, we've kept in touch. He's got a new job now. Um, but so cool. got, I would definitely hire him again. He just didn't make it on that moment. On that day. Um, and there was one candidate that um, uh, didn't get through to my very last round, a guy called Kashif. And, you know, I ended up doing an interview with him so we could do a blog for his website and the stuff. And we kept in touch because. Anyway he just wasn't quite right for this particular role but he'd be right, mm. he'd be great for other roles and i think yeah. you know uh, i think it's, it's i'm fine with giving. you yeah. and
0: i think if you if you don't give the feedback then you lose them as that silver medalist candidate as we like to call them that person that you can pick up later If you don't get that, I I was kind of going to ask you, And I I don't know, it's sort of similar to what you were saying though. but going back to when you were at Reward Gateway and you're just starting off and you're just starting to grow that team. Like, what was it like? (laughs) I mean, I guess a bit like this, really, like not sure what you were doing, a bit terrified to take a risk or... I mean, really not. So not when we first started
1: Reward Gateway back in 2006, I mean, I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> 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 if I'd known that...
0: Employee engagement? What is I that? Mean,
1: <laughs> seriously, if I'd known how much we didn't know, I would never. I would have been too frightened to start. So thankfully... I oh, didn't. but that's the thrill, isn't it? Of
0: being an entrepreneur. Really? Think, <laughs> the stuff you know, I know now I didn't know 11 years ago is hilarious.
1: <laughs> I think, you know, the interesting thing is about Reward Gateway is... Reward Gateway didn't start with any money. We didn't have any uh, investors at the start. It had no VC right. or angels or anything. So yeah. we, uh, it, there was five of us who were there on day one, and you know we scraped together fifty fifty grand on credit cards to start the business.
0: Oh my um, god!
1: That was it. I mean, the whole thing is basically founded on that. So we so the, what it meant we didn't have we couldn't pay firstly we couldn't actually pay recruiters for a start I mean, I mean, yeah. paying a recruiter an agency fee was a lavish dream that you know we could it would only happen years later um and we couldn't pay high salaries either um because we didn't have any money um so all you're left with is being nice and kind to people and honest with people and like trying to get them excited trying to find people who could be excited about what you were trying to do and would kind of like you know join on this crazy journey i remember um employee number three uh (laughs) will will i can remember employee number one i mean she was uh, katerina jaworska she's amazing she 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 had been working for the Polish newspaper in London and she'd, yeah. been, made redu- she'd been made redundant and um, so what, what was her reaction to being made redundant she just roamed the streets of Shoreditch knocking on office doors until someone gave her a job and I was the first oh. to give her a job
0: you that know, is tenacity, isn't
1: absolutely. it? Absolutely. She's wow. just like she literally. She, I, I can remember being. I was running my previous business at the time, and someone said, "There's a woman in reception who's refusing to leave until you've spoken to her." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And I mean, she, wow. And she, you know, and I remember saying to her, "Well, I I don't even know what you're going to be doing, Cat, because this company's barely formed in my head." You know, she says, I don't care, oh, I'll do I anything. It. I can, you know, I'll do admin, I'll do organization, I'll do sales, I'll do customers, I'll do help desk, whatever you want, I'll do it. And she was with us for eight years and left as a really senior um, person in affiliate marketing, went on to a fantastic yeah. career in affiliate, started her own business and stuff.
0: I must admit, I do love that about you, like watching Charlie Taylor grow through oh. the company and to where she is. You know, but you were going to say something about number three.
1: Yeah, number three, I mean, Will, was Will Tracks. yeah. So, uh, so Cat, Cat was number one. Uh, James Graham was number two. He was he was an engineer, and he he stayed with us right up until 2015, and then he now oh, works with my friend Tom, who was our sales director. They've got their own business, Jiminy. Um, but number three, Will was James's friend, and I remember you know, yeah. Will was like super super smart. You know, first class degree, I think, from Oxford in something really smart, like super intelligent. And he had the choice between going to work for. Um, the, like I've forgotten the name of the guy, the big guy at Barclays Private Equity, he's like famous, this sort of, you know, yeah, really big in <laughs> bank in, Bar- in Barclays. He'd be, he could work on his personal team, probably earning a fortune, um, or he could come and work for this, like, crappy startup in the middle of the backstreet of sawditch that had no money and an idea, and somehow we managed to get him to choose us, uh, Bob Diamond. That's who he had a job offer, from, job offer from. Bob Diamond. if you remember the name now. Um, yeah, a real rig. and uh, yeah, and he came to work for us. And and Will's still there now. He's he's chief technical officer he's on the exec team. Amazing. Sort of 14, 15 years later, and he's and he he one of those exceptions that proves the rule because he has managed to stay not just on his game but ahead of what the company needs for the entire 15 months, mm. despite the fact he's never worked anywhere else. Amazing, amazing. Really.
0: Probably because he has the curiosity yeah to to go and learn and to to what else is possible and i think it's such a crucial skill in people and actually i wanted you to ask because you clearly get that people matter right and i I, i've said to you i can't think how many times i mean it's always a joy obviously pre-pandemic to walk the floors of reward gateway because the the staff they just have this thing that you just you know, as my recruiter head, I want to bottle mm-hmm. and take to every company and get every company to hire people like that. Um, they're just exquisite. But how do you ensure you hire the right people? Like, if you had a, do you know, or is it just a oh, intuition thing? Probably, I mean, we're not supposed to hire and go, are we? But we all do. Um, well, I mean, I know what we there's some things that we don't do. So we
1: we've never obsessed about educational qualifications. Um, that is so lovely to hear. As someone who funny, doesn't I, have I, a degree, and I ban in, in my little corner of Tenzing private equity, my little the growth team we call it, where I because yep. kind of, they they're mad. tensing's it's conservative business because it's financial services, but it's mad enough that it's hired me and given me free range in my corner. So yep. I actually ban educational qualifications in my corner because I just don't um, see. You know, some people have an MBA and are amazing, and some people are amazing and don't have an MBA. So I don't, I just don't care.
0: Uh, well, honestly, Glenn, I, I sit here and go. I don't have a degree, and I wrote a book. I, the number no. of times that goes through my head is like, you know, right. it, because people told me I'd never get anywhere without a degree, but it just wasn't for me.
1: Well, I can remember <laughs> in about 2016, I was sitting in an, uh, my New York flat with the whole Reward Gateway exec team of the time, Yeah and we were like having we were having some sort of workshop session for a week or something, and we were having like a breakout coffee, just chatting, and we know we we, we realized, and we hadn't noticed before, that less than half the exec team had a degree. Yeah. Uh, and no one had noticed. Um, yeah. And I mean, so there's clearly an, an imperfect match between that. Um, and you know, I, I've got a, I've got a friend who's you know, really, really, really top of his game in um, in retail. He got made redundant from big department store this year, and mm. uh, and, he, and he, he was was a job he wanted recently, and he couldn't apply for it because he didn't have an MBA, <sighs> which is just oh. beautiful. Um, I so, know
0: he's just got like thirty years of experience, but you know, so that's please tick thing. a box. So that's yeah. one thing
1: we do. I think you know we always wanted to hire for for attitude, um, and and I think yeah. also especially in the early days, give people a chance. So very very early on, we um, on the advice of Helen, my co-founder, actually, we did, we had um, we had a policy of not not prohibiting applications from people who had a criminal record. Uh, you had yeah. to you had to explain your criminal record, um, but yep. we were open. And you know that that's interesting because over the first our first ten years, I think we probably employed uh, four or five that I knew of. It wasn't widely discussed. We hmm. kept it private. Four or five, people oh, who had had a criminal uh, record in the past, and they were amazing employees. You know, it, isn't over, it
0: something like fifty percent of the criminal convictions in the UK are driving offences anyway? And like like you need a car true. in London. Yeah, no, it's, it, I'm sure that's it. That's why there's the ban the box campaign.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, so it's about up, seeing people, uh, you know, as as people, really. Yeah. Um, not as, not as... Because I think one of the problems... And potential. Yeah, and I think, you know, the problem with the recruitment, I think, is, you know, people... You know, when asked what's the most important thing about business, very normal. People say, oh, it's all about the people, all about people first, we We're people first. Then when it comes to recruitment, they're in this ungodly rush to do it. So, you know, (laughs) it's got to be in a few weeks and we can, I've only got time to interview five candidates and the whole thing is, you know, is really narrow. So then you get, you know, you get 80 CVs and then you're rejecting people based on the spelling error or or you don't like the font used in Word. And I think, well, (laughs) you know.
0: Have you done that? No, don't
1: no, answer that. <laughs> no, I mean, when I did my last recruitment in September, you know, I had yeah. 70 or 80 CVs. I read everyone carefully. There was yeah. one person, one person spelt the name Tenzing wrong 11 times in his CV, <laughs> including in three different ways. And I still put him through because I thought his experience was interesting. And I'm like, you know.
0: And I know that as long be, as it's not a role requiring attention to detail, it'll be no, fine. You know, but maybe
1: even if it was, you could just say, like, you know, when I when I discussed that with him in the interview, he was really he was really embarrassed about it, and it could have been really good learning. So, yeah. Uh, and I think you know you you can try and make your job as a recruiter really really fast and efficient and easy and stuff. Mm. But actually, the thing that imp- you've got to remember: the prize. The prize is. Mm. i want to get someone who's going to be great in this role for like at least two or three years, ideally, you know, yeah. um, and, and really be really good them. and move us on. Yeah. So I think it's
0: worth... Um, and also this, this document, this this thing that we have to write, I'm really hard to write because you're trying not to be arrogant as you're trying to blow your own trumpet. And it's like most people really struggle to write a CV or a resume and we're still basing recruitment off it. It's kind of crazy. I find most hiring <laughs> managers really
1: struggle to write a job advert. Oh, yeah. I mean...
0: Well, see, that is definitely going to be... Actually, I'm going to ask you that first then, which is what is your top tip for hiring managers? All the companies that you're scaling, of course. Well, I was going to say, what do they gain by partnering with recruiters? But to be honest, what do they gain by writing a great job description?
1: What's my top tip? So first thing is, (laughs) there are no no good and bad people in in recruitment. So people say to me like, oh, Glenn, so-and-so, are they good? And and my question is always, well, are they good at what? Are they good at sales? Well, are they good at sales in what context and environment? Like mm. a big company, small company, a tech, non-tech, uh, SaaS, non-SaaS, in a small team that's growing, forming a team, and a big team that's established? I mean, in what context? And I think the th- the, the most common mistake I see um, in hiring is not thinking about the context enough. So there's a great mm-hmm. example of this from Reward Gateway, actually. So just as I was, I think actually after I stepped down as, yeah, I stepped down as CEO, Doug had become the CEO, and obviously we needed a new, a new CFO. Then, and, yep. um, so the the the, the um, RG team got together with our investor Great Hill in Boston, and they wrote themselves this perfect CFO's job description and advert. And they got some candidates, and then right at the last minute, they said to me, "Glenn, will you will you interview some candidates for us?" And I said, "Yeah, well, tell me what you're interviewing again. Show me the advert." And I looked at it, and it was a really beautifully written, bog standard CFO for a P firm that could have gone to any P firm. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, well, the advert's wrong. And they're like, well, what do you mean? How did that go down? (laughs) Well, of course and I said, really? It's the like, situation where, because you know, it says, it says you know, you've know you got to have experience with private equity, you've got to have the experience of managing debt, of uh, dealing with the big banks, all that kind of stuff. I said, well, frankly, you don't need those things because Doug, who's now CEO, he is like a real expert in those things, and he's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. So those yeah. places are actually covered. I said, what you have actually got at Reward Gateway at the time was yeah. we had really poor finance systems for the size and complexity that we were that needed a Mm -hmm. really, really looking at with like hundreds of thousands of invoices going out across all sorts of different products and too much of it was manual. And it really really needed someone who could like really get to grips with that and revolutionize finance from an operational and technology perspective. And then I, oh, I said, none of that's mentioned in the job advert. And what was interesting is- So they were
0: basically replacing like for like instead of going, actually, we have an opportunity here to get something new in, what do we need? What's missing?
1: Exactly. It's all about, I think recruitment's all about context. It's like, what context is the person coming into now? And when I, I, so I met the four candidates they had um, and I taught them, so I sat down with them and said, you know, thanks for coming to the interview. And I was like, well, first thing is job advert's wrong let me tell you what the job is actually like. And when I told them what it was actually like, three of them were horrified and withdrew. And pulled out. And one of them, Ellie, she said, oh my God, this is my dream job.
0: Isn't Um, that great?
1: And she's the CFO there to this day. And she's amazing.
0: So... Actually, your advice to hiring partners would be one, obviously what you just said, but also to just be honest, (laughs) like to say, this is what it's like. So, And I think there's this real fear of putting what it's really like out there. Oh, it might damage our brand. No, no, damaging your brand is not giving feedback. Yeah. Telling what it's really like to work here is okay because some people will take themselves out of the interview process, and that's okay. And Why I waste to, your time? And I have <laughs> to be honest, I did not
1: invent this idea myself. I I, I learned it, and I learned it from Simon Sinek. So Simon Sinek, who right. you know, famous famous writer for like Start with Why, but one of his least well known pieces of work is a three and a half minute YouTube video called "Write the Perfect Want Ad." Want ad being American for yep. a proven advert. So if you type into... Not wanted for criminal activity. You know, write the perfect want ad. So type that into Google. Write the perfect want ad cynic. Type into Google and you'll find this yep. three and a half minutes um, YouTube video of Simon just explaining uh, really nicely why you've got to be very specific uh, and I've just <laughs> done it. I'm helping one of our portfolio companies um, recruit a senior finance analyst uh, right now. And when I spoke to the recruitment agent that's helping us, uh, he said, what's it really like there? I says, well, this company has got really, really shitty systems. That data's all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, so like to do something straightforward, they have to go to five different places and copy it all together in Excel. <laughs> I said, then you need to make sure that's really clear to the candidate because there's no point yeah. in someone who's, I don't know, worked at, shell or BP or something where everything's <laughs> really mature and really nicely, you know, <laughs> got sophisticated. To exactly. Because they, they're going to hate it. Yeah. Um, and I need someone who's like totally happy, with it, totally happy in that mess uh, and will make the mess better, a little bit better every week. Um, And I think we, yeah, I think honesty and job adverse is, is key. I, key. I actually but define- also
0: you are honest with your recruitment agent that you're working with. Yeah. So what... <laughs> See, I, I'm trying to get hiring leaders because I refuse to call them managers because they're not managing the recruitment process. Um, I'm trying to get them to partner better with recruitment agents or their in-house recruiters, whoever it is that is actually doing the work to find the CVs and bring people through to interview Yeah, to get them to partner together. So is one of your bits of advice, like, again, just be honest or do you have any suggestions of you know why hiring leaders should do that and... And how?
1: I mean, to be honest, when I think about it, I'm amazed any recruitment works given that both sides are lying most of the time. You know, the candidate, <laughs> the is candidates, the candidates <laughs> telling you that they're amazing and they can do all this shit, and the and the saying the job's perfect, the job's fantastic, and the culture's amazing. So yeah. not, everyone not <laughs> everyone's lying. It's a miracle that anyone ever stays longer than three months. Uh, yeah, you've got it. I think I think recruit for context. You know, so it's like yeah. you know, is, is Glenn good? Is Glenn good at what? Or is he good as a CEO? I'm good. At, I'm good as a CEO at a certain stage type of business, right? So I'm proven yeah. between like Norton, and four hundred people in tech, in SaaS, in B two B. But if you stuck me running a consumer business that was bigger or smaller, I mean, I've, never, I've got no experience of doing. I've done it. Yeah, I've never done it. So I think we've got to get away from the, this kind of. Like, is this a good person or not? And we've got to really, and then we've also got to get away from generic job adverts and generic yeah. descriptions. And you've got to think. I like a really. I like um. Like i like it. I like when recruiting to fo- focus on like what is the actual situation that this person will find themselves in when they arrive, yeah, and what are the f- small handful of things that will really make them successful that are really important you know like I remember hiring a um a sales director for the u s once and th- this in, the the job advert for it had gone around the houses, and everyone had contributed a bit. And it had all sorts of nonsense in it, like, you know, must be able to present nicely at the board. And you know, <laughs> it had a, a hilarious word in it, it said, must present a business like demeanor. And I've no what idea. What does that meant. mean? What does that even mean? I said, well,
0: I'm a bit worried about you and I hearing that.
1: I was sitting in a t shirt, a hoodie, and wearing socks and no shoes. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, all right, I'm not going to get this job. But actually, <laughs> the problem with it was there was a page and a half of requirements for what we needed from a sales director. Was actually yeah. when I spoke to, the, the person who's gonna to report to you and I said to her, What do you actually want from this person? She said, I want someone who who will when they walk into a room, their team's eyes light up because their leader just arrived and they know they're gonna have a great one. <gasps> oh that's and I was like, right. So well that's not what your job advert says. I says that's that's what you're looking for. All you all you really care about is this person that is a fantastic leader that helps yeah. that helps and coaches their team to succeed. I don't give a shit whether you can pre- he or she can present at the board <laughs> in a business domain, because I can get someone else to do that. All the yeah. other, get the other stuff off and just focus on the few things that really, really matter. Um, not because otherwise, when you otherwise when yeah. you're interviewing, you can miss what really matters because you're fixating on like, well, are they going to look good in the investor?
0: Who cares? Mm. And I think. From what I'm hearing from that, on top of, oh, my God, I want to work for that person who lights up the room, yeah. um, is yeah. one, the, there's a lot for hiring leaders to learn. But I think recruiters also need to stand their ground and go, like, enough, like, come on, context. So I think yeah.
1: context and what really makes a difference. I what think really, you know, yeah. If you're going to do a lot, you know, I kind of think the the meat of a job description should be quite small. What you're actually looking for should be quite small. Mm. But the job advert actually can be quite long because it should be including a lot of context about what yeah. is this company, what's the systems like, what's the team like, what are you going to find yourself in, are you going to like it? Because, you mm. know, a good job advert will select out a whole bunch of people who think, oh, do you know what,
0: that's not for me. That's yeah. great. I couldn't handle that technology mess. I'm yeah, not going yeah. there. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Um, Glenn Elliott, I cannot thank you enough for being my first guest on the Hiring partner perspective, unedited, because we just, No, there's been next to no editing um, other than a bit of sound. Um, I cannot thank you enough for that. Um, If anybody wants to get in touch with you, obviously email. Um, No,
1: what's the best way? Um, LinkedIn? So I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I do look at my LinkedIn once a week and I'm normally reasonably good at replying. Uh, (laughs) I'll tell you a secret hardly anyone ever sends me a Twitter DM. So when Twitter I get DM. one, I think it's, it's like, you know, like a direct message on Twitter. Yeah. So when someone does that, I'm like, oh, wow,
0: I've got nothing on Twitter. So They're very Twitter, important. So my Twitter <laughs> inbox is really empty. Um, <laughs> Do you look at your um, message requests on Twitter, though, for the, the people that go into yeah. the other box? Oh, oh well, wow, you're super good. I
1: to check that. <laughs> you, mean, you mean I've got a whole, whole inbox I've not seen?
0: Possibly. Yeah, the way, if if someone's not following you, they go into another inbox. Oh, I
1: see. I'll have to check that. It often has spam in it. Maybe that's where they're all they they living.
0: That's not where mine was. I was going for Instagram. No, no,
1: no. <laughs> I think I think Twitter, uh, Twitter or LinkedIn, or you can email me at Glenn, G-L-E-N-N at Tenzing, T-E-N-Z-I-N-G dot P-E. And I will attempt to be helpful. And, and that I, oh, is Tenzing. Yeah, Tenzing. <laughs> it's all about mountaineering. We're mountaineering obsessed. At oh, I love
0: it. I love it. Um, Thank you again. Just the perfect first guest. I knew you would have loads of information to share, so I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. But the more reach we can get the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe of course on your favorite podcast platform and do come and say hello at hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time, thank you.